Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And the day it will come. You better learn how to lose someone. Cause in the end, you will. Where there is gold, there's been fire. Let it burn until your purest desire. And if it's worth its weight, there's a whole lot of love in Welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in this morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Also, we are on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on iHeartRadio. We're all over the place. So check us out. Follow, leave comments. We love it. And if you want to contact me directly, you can email me at SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. Well, you just heard Love and Pain by Ryan Shaw from his new album, Imagining Marvin. He is a three-time Grammy-nominated singer. He's a Broadway performer. His music has been on Fox's So You Think You Can Dance, ABC's Dancing with the Stars, Grey's Anatomy, and Lincoln Heights. Also on films, My Blueberry Nights and Bride Wars and Sex in the City soundtrack. This is all over the place. Good morning, Ryan Shaw. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. He is on How the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. So please be gentle with him this morning. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? What's oh. happening? <laughs> Oh, I am hanging in there. This is like a circus our country is going through right now. How are you handling? First, let's talk about COVID. What are you doing because you're an artist? Have you been able to perform to a group yet? Um, what are you doing with that? Um, at this point, nothing. There's been a few things scattered. Like last year, it just sort of really dried up. But this year, um, there's been a couple of things, um, social distance, no audience. Um, I've done a couple of things where it's like the whole band, everyone has their own separate plexiglass to be behind and, you know, and just mainly we're just waiting for things to, for some sort of new arena to, you know, develop, <laughs> you know, a new way of life. Cause I don't mm-hmm. know if it'll ever kind of go back to what we consider normal, but um, for the immediate future, um, just waiting for, you know, some sort of way to, um, you know, to share again in the same space because it's difficult. Yeah, you've been doing a lot of stuff on Instagram, a lot of videos and things. That's where people are going 
to more videos, uh, doing Zoom calls with families. Have, are you doing any calls with your families, like on a weekly basis, just to, to be able to see people's faces? Um, do you do that type of thing? Yeah. Yeah, we've been doing – we do – well, we've had a, a, a sibling, like, you know, WhatsApp chat forever. Okay. And uh, so me and my siblings, <laughs> we chat about – we chat almost every day. And then we have another one that we added our mother into, um, and that one is a little more PG. So we <laughs> – so, so we have those chats going. But then, yeah, once this pandemic started, I have a – you know, because now all of my writing sessions have been through Zoom as well. And so I have a like a you know a pro Zoom account, so I I just, we can just sign up and talk like on a usually it'd be like one Sunday or once every other Sunday we'll get on and and just act crazy for like four or five hours. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's been, what a lot of people that's been are helpful. doing. Do you feel yeah, that it is helpful yeah. just seeing the faces as opposed to just talking on the phone? Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Any any little bit more, you know, because when you're in someone's presence you know there's three things you get the voice and you see the image and then you also can feel the presence and so that's the part about what I miss most about performing live because although you know you 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 think oh we're just in the audience and we're just sitting and watching it's your energy that actually helps to carry the show and so that's the beautiful part and you can hear me sing in my house all day and I can emote all this energy and you know sing and scream my face off and you might say, oh, my God, that's great, and you clap, but it's a whole different experience when you're in the room with me and I take the energy you're giving me and give it back to you. That that mm-hmm. can't be duplicated. And it's always no. unique, and it's because it's always unique with every show. So even if it's the same music done the exact same way, it's the energy, and that's what makes live theater and live music so, like, life-changing, really, for for many people. Now, you were brought up in the church. Did you ever think about being a gospel singer? Well, that's what I thought I had to be, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. Uh, I grew mm-hmm. up, like, pretty strict Pentecostal. And uh, so it was all about no secular music in the house. And, you know, I used to have this vision when I was a kid. I've had it all – I used to have it all the time up until about maybe 10 years ago um, after I signed to Columbia, but – I used to have this vision of me singing on stage, and there'd be uh, I couldn't see the end of the audience, and there'd be people, and they'd be waving their, you know, candles or phones or whatever it was at the time, and, you know, it would just change, and people would be dancing, a range of emotions. But the one thing never happened, I never heard what I was singing. I just saw myself there. Mm. And and I think that was God's way of letting me know that, I'm, it doesn't, that that didn't matter. And once I headlined the Montreal Jazz Fest for the second time, I realized that that was the moment, that that was the vision that I kept having since I was a child because I didn't know that I was headlining the show, actually, because mm-hmm. it was at that stage in your career where you have, like, one gig at Stephen Talk House in Long Island for, like, $500 to get gas to get to the <laughs> Samsung, to, to, to right, get to right. the Samsung. Yeah, and you need to get do that gig to get enough gas in the bus to get to the Samsung Super Bowl party, in which you may make you know thirty, forty thousand dollars for forty five minutes, and then the next night you're at just a regular gig where you may make you know. So it was like there was the guarantees were all over the place. So it was during that time. So the first year I played the Montreal Jazz Fest, I was in a tent. The second year I came back, it was this. I didn't know we were headlining. We were late, and so we got there because of traffic. And so we got there, and it's like you don't have time for any for a sound check. You just got to go. And so they push the band out behind this curtain. And I'm thinking I'm in the tent again. And they push me out, and they go, go. And I walk out, and then 40,000 people just, like, lose <gasps> their mind. And I'm, like, in shock. And then I'm, like, okay, I turn around to the band. And my, drum, 
And my drummer, Keith, looks at me and he goes, oh, my God, it's happening. And I go, <laughs> yeah, it's happening. And so I take a deep breath, and I turn around, and we start the show and killed. It was a great show. And then I got back to the hotel, and then I realized that that was actually the vision that I had all my life up until, you know, until that point, and that I was where I was supposed to be. You know, it's so amazing. If I had stories, because if I had heard the sound, if I had heard the sound as a child, I would have rebuked it. Oh, I bind you, devil! This is the devil's work. You know, it'd have been all that. (laughs) Wow, crazy. I want to play one of your songs. It's called Get Home. This is also from the Imagining Marvin album. Yeah. That are in between Where you are Is where I want to be Home And yes it's so sweet To find a place Where you're never you that last little section of, of that clip I could play that like 20 times that like in a place <laughs> like, no let me not try to sing because you know I'll mess it up but I think no, like, something off, hit off. me <laughs> no 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 something hit me like I heard the first part you know I'm missing home this and that and I played the different you know and I was like I would sing and I was like I could just play that last 10 seconds over and over and over again. How do you know when you have a hit? How do you know that you hit that sweet spot in a song? Um, you feel it. It's always a feeling. It, it's always a feeling. Like when you, when I remember, and I actually wrote that song many years ago with uh, with Connor Reeves and Jonathan Shorten in um, in London. And I remember I had just lost my grandmother. And my younger brother, within like the last five years of writing that song, and I just remember we were there, and I was also in London, so I wasn't home. And I was like, "Oh man, I've been on here for a while, and I'm sort of like missing home." So we just started writing, and then, you know, we hit that in the place where I know I've been. He did it. He did it. Did exactly. I get oh <laughs> and and we and everybody in the room immediately just smiled, and we were like, "Oh, that's it." And then so we started in on the verses and just built it. But you, you automatically know because it, it, it lands in a genuine place. You automatically either, you, it will automatically evoke an emotion out of you, either a smile or a, or a dance or, or a tear. Something will be mm. evoked, and that you know. And those, when you find a sentiment that resonates with most people or with everyone or with almost everyone, then you know it, it, it'll, it'll resonate with everyone. So that that's how i know <laughs> yeah yeah what's your earliest memory of home do you when you were a kid do you how far back can you remember 3 years old 4 years old how, how far back i have i don't know i don't i have part it's a weird thing i have parts and i talk about this with my with my therapist i have parts of my memory that are like blocks that are missing and it's sort of weird and it's like even like important things that happen in people's life that they say, oh, my God, I'm so glad you were there. And I'm like, was I there? And I'm like, have I been abducted or something? I don't know. 
But uh, so my youngest, okay. yeah, we can. I don't know how much time we got to go deeper into that, but yeah, there are there are blocks <laughs> missing. I'm gonna have to charge <laughs> you for that, Ryan. Ryan, I'm a licensed exactly. social worker, so, but I would have to charge you if you want to get deeper. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but no. Um, but my youngest memories of home are really. It's always have been Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a huge thing for my family and. And um, just my youngest members of being my Aunt Janice's house, she had a really sort of quaint, sort of tiny house in Stone Mountain, Georgia. I'm from Georgia, born and raised. Um, mm-hmm. And we, being there with all my cousins, and I just remember, you know, being like probably the most fondest memories of being like, you know, eight, nine years old. And me and my cousins would go back to the back during Thanksgiving, and we'd write a song every year and come out and perform it for the family. And then we'd do improv. My whole family's very, like, into the arts and music and stuff, and so... Uh, we would do stuff like that, and then we would go into, like, literally, like, two hours of improv, of just being ridiculous and doing the most. Oh, my God. So, wow. those are my earliest memories of home, yeah. Now, um, were and, you and my, afraid? Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and my grandmother's sweet potato pie. <laughs> oh, now, there's a difference between pumpkin and sweet potato, right? You you know, right? You are oh, like, you don't, oh, you yeah, like pumpkin? Oh, yeah, I don't. People I don't, don't prefer pumpkin at all. I don't really. No, I'm not a big pumpkin pie person. But sweet potato, that's where it is. I used to ask my grandmother to make me sweet potato pies just for my for my. She said, what you want for your birthday? Because my birthday is on Christmas Day, and I'd be like, I want sweet potato pies. So every year she would make me five sweet potato pies, and she's like, you can share them with your siblings if you want to, and um, I would usually share one with them, <laughs> and I'll eat the other four. <laughs> Wait, you said the other four? Yeah, she would make five of them. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, did you get? Did you feel duped out of your birthday? Because like everybody, did you? Were you getting double presents, or did you, you just got one set of presents on Christmas? Well, I I got over because I got double presents. But the thing is, my family doesn't really do birthdays. Like for birthdays, growing up, were never really like a special special thing. You just got to you got to tell my mom what you wanted to eat, and she would make that and. You, and my mom was an amazing baker. She's the one who taught me how to bake. And so she was a baker, and you would tell her which cake you wanted to make. And she had her specialty cakes were a plum cake, a red velvet, a carrot cake, or a lemon pound. And so you tell her which of her specialty cakes you want. And she used to make a German chocolate back in the day, but she said it's too many steps, so she stopped doing it. But you could oh choose your cake, goodness. and then that was it. And that's what your birthday was. And so most of the time we wanted fast food. We wanted Burger King or something that we never usually got. And... um and that was it. And that, so birthdays were never like, oh, we're going to have a surprise party and this and that and the other. And so, but for Christmas, since they were already shopping, they would go, oh, this is for your birthday and this is for Christmas. And then my siblings would go, well, I didn't get nothing for my birthday. And they're like, oh, hush, we was already shopping. So I actually got over in the Christmas <laughs> baby. Oh, you spoiled. You spoiled. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Let's, let's play a little bit of um, Strong Men Can. This is from um, Ryan Shaw's Imagining Marvin album. When was the last time you wanted to let go? Be the you meet the person you were told you can't show. Right of the side. 
about that with Valerie Simpson. Tell us about the experience of working with her because she worked on a lot of Marvin Gaye's uh, songs and Tammy uh, Terrell's songs. Tell us about that experience. Oh, it was awesome. I've known Valerie for, for many, many years, like since shortly after I moved to New York about 22 years ago. And I used to go sing at the Sugar Bar. And I remember the first time I sang, she came to me and she was like, well, what are you doing with that voice? And I was like, I'm trying to make it. <laughs> and so she and Nick uh, at the time just took me under their wing and I used to call them my industry parents. And so mm-hmm. when we, when me and my manager, Elizabeth Healy, first started, you know, visualizing this concept, um, I said, we, I should call Valerie because we know she wrote most of Marvin's earliest hits with Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I reached out to her and I was like, I got a concept that we've been working on. I had done a demo of I Want You. And it wasn't the, ver- the exact version that's on the record, but it was a version that I felt was my own as well. And okay. so I took it to her and I said, I want to play you something. Tell me what you think. If you think it's weird or far-fetched, we'll let the idea go, but I want to get your opinion on it. So I played it for her. And she paused, and she said, there's something there. And I said, okay. So that meant, knowing Valerie, that meant that, it, that she liked it, and it was good. So later on, a couple of days later, I messaged her. I was like, well, if it's an Imagining Marvin record, you wrote most of his early hits. Can, would you be interested in writing an original song for the project with me? And she was like, let me think about it. And then so two days later, she sent me, like, a clip of just her at the piano with a note saying, you know, I don't usually send people just, just my raw you know, phone audio. I usually mm, take it in the studio mm-hmm. and doctor it up a little bit, but, but I, I think you'll get it. And it was just her with that beautiful melody and that strong man can't down. And I immediately, mm-hmm. same like I told you earlier, smile, big smile on my face. And I called her and I was like, that's it. Beautiful. She was like, okay, well, let's get to work and let's write some more verses and, you know, come over to the house. And, and then, you know, a week later we had strong man can, and it was, it was so timely the subject matter because it sort of talks about mental health and you know at this time in the country you know in the last you know five ten years there's been school shootings mall shootings and all mm. kinds of craziness happening oh, and i sort of yeah. harken it back to yeah and i sort of harken it back to people not being able to express themselves you know they've taken music out of schools and so you have those you know those creative thinkers don't have an outlet and so they become disruptive not any fault of their own because you're forcing a creative mind to only do math and science and have no outlet for creativity. And that's like, yeah. Yeah. And that's like bottling up a bunch of energy. And we all know creative energy is the thing that changed the world. It's ingenuity. It's, it's music, it's art, it's everything. So when you bottle that up, yeah, it becomes explosive. So, you know, but on top of that, people don't are also told in this society, especially men, you have to be this, you have to be strong, don't cry, don't be weak and all this kind of stuff. And don't it's cry. sort of bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially don't cry because it's, it's BS. When you were born, the first thing you do is what? Cry. That's cry. the first thing you do coming into this world. So that's the most natural thing that we do as humans is release some kind of emotion, whether that cry at birth is of joy of finally being here and taking your first breath or whether it's pain of, you know, of coming through the trauma of going through the womb, whatever it is for each individual, that's the first thing you do regardless. And so now to be told later, don't do the first thing that you've ever known, <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. And so people go yeah. crazy. They well, snap. you know, men, men are taught to like, uh, I went to a class that it was related to social work and they were talking about, uh, it was run by a male and was talking about the development of men and, and their emotional, you know, stages and things like that. And one of the things that was so interesting is like, 
guys who play football or any sports say they're in the locker room, they're all naked, but they can only talk about certain things. They can only talk about some rough, you know, beating somebody up or fighting or something, or, you know, um, what about that sports game? There's no intimate conversation going on because you're already intimate being naked and trying to take a shower and all these things. Um, but it also happens in other spaces with men. They cannot open up because then they're considered weak or they're what they call a pussy, um, you know, all these things. And some men, it's really difficult to live up to that expectation. Um, and then others, mm-hmm. they take it to the far extreme, which is also just as bad, you know, like extreme machismo, you know. Um, right. So it's it's important. And the arts, I grew up with the arts in my family and then also in my schooling. And even if you don't become an artist, it is expanding and, ex- like, dynamic in your like emotional development it, it, it's like a, a catalyst I feel to taking you to another level um, even if you become an engineer engineering is art you know yeah. in, in, in a different way you know so um, yeah. but I, I love I that think any, I all creative important. anytime I feel anytime you take something that wasn't and then the next thing it is that's art mm-hmm. that's, that's the yeah. creative force it's something that comes through us because a minute ago, there was no strong man can, and now 10 minutes later or an hour later or two days later, there is something in this playing that we can all experience that was not here before. That's art. There was no build, there mm. was no skyscraper here before. There was no design for this a building for this apartment. But now there is. That, that's, something, that's something special. You know, the only thing that's exact and always constant is math. But other than that, but most there other is science, art in that cool. too. There's art in that too because then things are um, discovered through math, you know, mm. and and they're mm-hmm. always trying to stretch these formulas and things. So it's all around us. Creativity is all around yeah. us. But I think having the music or dance, writing, um, these things, um, it's, it's a different part of your brain that is um, is working and, and can help. I mean, think about artists. Look at you. You've been on, you know, the stage, uh, musical theater, but you're also a singer. Well, I would say like a straight singer, you know, but then there are people who become visual painters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they want to learn how to play a different instrument, like the drums or the piano. A lot of artists are multiple things, but they're all interconnected. Do you feel that is so? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, my friends always make fun of me. They're like, um, you know, some people like a jack of uh, a jack of all trades and a master of, you know, a few. A Not, master of none, yeah. I mean. <laughs> a few. Like, yeah. But they say you're a jack of all trades and a master of a few. <laughs> uh, mm. Because I do, a lot, I do I mean, anything creative I, I attach to, from food to music to making clothes. Like, I do a bunch of random things. Like, I, I knit, I crochet, I actually sew for real, like, can make, like, what? dresses and suits. And, yeah. Get and I, the and, out yeah. of here. See? Yeah, I mean, I do anything oh, wait, that's okay. creative. Any, it, but we got to talk about. You need a gown or something? Cheese. You need a gown or something? The what, vegan what are we talking cream. About? No, <laughs> I need some vegan, vegan cream cheese, people. This is the baking king oh, yeah. of Georgia. That's, that's in the okay. work. Tell us That's about in the how word. it started. That came... <laughs> well, 
right now the project is called uh, Harlem Dream Cheese because I, I, I'm on the East Coast. You said it earlier I was on the West Coast. I'm in Harlem, actually. Oh, okay. But okay. Anyway. I thought it was early for you in the West Coast. Okay. No, it's still early for me, but it's not the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my but right God. Now, oh, my it's, God. It's called, it's called Harlem Dream Cheese. And uh, it was sort of birthed out of necessity. So as most human beings, after the age of five, we should not have any dairy. And at, over time, I became lactose intolerant, and it just makes me feel bloated for, like, two days, and it's just and gassy. It's just not good. And so yeah. I, I sort of went away from cheese a few years ago, um, from dairy, period. Uh, and so now I, just, I, you know, I use oat milk, and I find a lot of great vegan cheese options, you know, especially at, like, Whole Foods or, you know, these world markets. And so, um, but I'm an amazing baker. Like, I make probably the best cakes you ever had. And my mom taught me to bake when I was younger. And, and that's a pretty funny story about that. But when I lived in London on the West End, I, used, I was making my cakes uh, and selling them okay. at the local cafes. And, but when I got, but I couldn't eat them because of the icing had, you know, cream cheese in it. I'm, it's a buttercream, it's a cream, it's a buttercream icing that you make for like red velvet cakes, carrot cakes. It's the best icing, but it's made with cream cheese and butter. And I can no longer okay, have yeah. my own cakes, which I love because they're the best. And so I went to Whole Foods and I bought every brand of like cream cheese, vegan cream cheese you can find. <laughs> and, and none of them are geared for like to be in an icing because cream cheese actually is, it's a distinct flavor, but it's pretty neutral. It's easy to make cream cheese savory or sweet. But with all the vegan mm-hmm. cream cheeses that are out now, even the plain ones, everything is geared towards being savory. And so you can't use it okay. in the icing. The icing tastes like crap. And so I was like, well, I need to know what's happening. And so I went online and I looked up a few different recipes. And then my mind just started to click about certain things about what flavor could recreate. So I actually went to the store and I bought a pack of Philadelphia cream cheese, which in America, everyone knows that is what cream cheese is. And then I said, I'm going to go the vegan route and I'm going to create something that is as neutral and as close to Philadelphia as I possibly can so that I can make my icing. And as of last Sunday, I did that. And I made the icing out of it, mm. and I almost started crying. And so uh, right now it's in the preliminary work, uh, so be on the lookout for Harlem Green Cheese. It is a vegan product, and it is as versatile as any cream cheese. It works in icings. It'll, it's great on bagels. You can make it sweet. You can make it savory. And I'm really, really really excited about um, getting this product up. So now I'm in the process of, you know, getting my food handler's certificate and my insurance and my certificate of authority from state of New York to sell food products. And hopefully in the next month or so that's done. And, you know, I'm starting local here. I've already reached out to many like cafes and, you know, the little upscale cafes in Harlem and, you know, around town and bagel places to, you know, get ready to deliver samples. To and yeah. So I'm ready to go, yeah, and get moving. So yeah, I'm excited wow. about that, and that also, and that also came because COVID. I don't know when I'm gonna be able to sing again. And I was like, I always thought I was gonna make a, I always thought I was gonna make millions and millions of dollars off of music, and I'm, it might be both millions of dollars off music and cream cheese. Look at God. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. Let me play um, a little bit of choosing. This is also from Imagining uh, Marvin album. Hold on. See, I decided the other night. I was no longer gonna fuss and fight Because I knew for me to be free That I had to make a change Yes, so I said to myself 
ask you, how do you, what's your writing process? Uh, where do you write? Uh, what inspires you? Who do you write with or not with? Like, I can't be around you now because i got to be creative. Tell us about this, this yeah. process of writing. <laughs> um, you know those it's people. Very you know, like, look, I cannot oh, be yeah. talking to you because you're really going to bring my mood down right now. <laughs> yeah. Put your phone on mute. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but my process has been, it's been varied. It's been, it's been wide because I started, um, you know, I'm, I've always been a singer, but for, uh, from 2001, like a few, like a, the week after September 11th happened, um, I actually went on my first writing trip to um, Europe. I had a manager at the time that was just, uh, he only uh, managed writers and producers. And so mm-hmm. I was, for a period of time, I was just a writer in my earlier stages. This was before Columbia and everything. So I was just songwriting. And I always knew I would get back to artistry, but I was going to Copenhagen for five days, Stockholm for a week and a half, then I'd go to London for two to three weeks, then I'd come back home for two months, and I'd do that all over again wow, for about three years. Wow, all over. Okay. Yeah. And so when you're traveling and, and writing like that, and it's literally my first trip out of the country, I was gone for... 21 days and wrote 32 songs. And that was crazy. Yeah. And so it was just churning out stuff, song after song every day. And sometimes you get into a studio, um, you know, because now we we used to be in the days of, back in the day was songwriting. And songwriting was you go into a room, there is nothing. People pick up an instrument and somebody says, oh, I have this melody that I have. And then you just sort of work it all out sort of organically. That still happens a lot. But now in the day of the in the era of the producer, you may go into a studio and this guy just have 400 beats that he just has on his computer and they are what they are. And you have to listen through them and see what you connect with. And then you go, oh, I like that one. And then you have to fit whatever you're thinking into this thing that's already created. It's not my preferred way, but I had to become adaptable right. to be able to do that because that's what the industry was doing. And so it, it just ranges. When I'm writing by myself, I'll just sit at home and I'll usually I'll pick up, uh, get on the piano and plunk out some things. I don't. I'm, this is my year to get better with my instruments, but I'll plunk out some things on the piano usually, or I'll have a melody and I'll just come into the studio and just build up something around it to get my idea across. And then sometimes I still have producers now that will send me tracks. So I have this, these beats that I've been working on, and so it varies for me. Uh, sometimes the if I'm hearing a beat or Something may come, the lyric may come first. Sometimes the melody comes first. Usually the melody comes first. I mean, I'm full of melodies. Sometimes I have issues with, um, if any, would be with lyrics. I'm more of a melody guy than a lyric guy. Although my lyrics, you know, when they come, they come great. But, yeah, so that, that if I have a struggle, it'll be more so with uh, melodies. But I write in all, always. It, it just depends. I'm open to anything, like, creative. I've thought it for a while. How do you, how do, you do with blocks? How do you handle blocks? Like nothing's coming out. You go take a walk around the block, literally, or I mean, do you call somebody? Do you listen to something else? How do you uh, deal with having a block? <laughs> um, well, one, I don't. First of all, well, I, I I stop classifying it as a block because I think creativity, as we were talking earlier, it, it's it's a flow of something that wasn't here that here, and so if something is not ready to be here, I don't consider it a block. I just feel that it's not ready to be here, and so I walk away. You know, and it may come to me okay. later or it may or I just do something else, you know, because there's something else creative. And a lot of times when I, if I, if I'm not feeling creative in writing, I'll go and I'll bake something or I'll make some clothes or I'll do something else creative or I'll paint. I'll do something else creative because creativity is all around us. And I feel like maybe 
certain parts of our create, creative channels uh, need to be amplified in order for the others to be, you know. So maybe there's a slight out. block, I guess, in that, in that sense, but not a block as in I can't, but in a block as in I need to increase my energies that from the other side. And I always say from the other side mm-hmm. because I feel creativity is spiritual. It's a spiritual thing regardless because it, it doesn't exist on this plane until it does. So we get it from somewhere. Let me ask, who's your favorite songwriter? Do you have a favorite songwriter? Um, I would probably say Ashford Simpson. You have to say that, right? Your parents. <laughs> no, not even have to, just because it's true. It's crazy. Well, I mean, when you go back and you think about, you know, the fabric of, you know, black music, which you, most yeah. people, you say the, they were always going to say Motown. Everybody's going to say Motown probably from Jim, Black, White, or any other, like, the music that really changed the face. That was the first music that sort of integrated race in this country. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, was, it was a lot of things happening. It's the, it's the music that really changed the face of America. And the two of the greatest writers of that time were Ashford and Simpson. So when you still hear, you know, their, uh, the catalog today, I mean, they're probably two of the most licensed and synced artists of all time, you know what I mean? It's crazy yeah. and sampled, you know, from Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing, I'm Every Woman, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, and, you know, and then to their own music, Solid As a Rock, you know, it just goes on and on, and you're like, wow, <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. We probably don't even it's know. It's funny, because I mean, even when I was doing right. this album, uh-huh. I'm sorry? No, no, I go ahead. Because it's funny, because even when I was doing this record, um, I had, I was going on a road trip, and I had pulled up, you know, on my, you know, on my Spotify all of Marvin Gaye's albums and did research, and I was listening to everything from old to new, you know, obscure and whatnot, because I wanted to make sure that I covered all aspects of Marvin, not just stuff that yes. everyone knew him by, but some things that he just really felt that he connected with, which is also why mm-hmm. I did Shadow of Your Smile. But uh, but that said, I have found this song um, that I did with Shoshana Bean on, on the record Good Love and Easy to Come By, when I first heard it, I was like, damn, this song is good. I don't know why this wasn't a hit. And so I put it down on my list. And then when I got home, I Googled it, and it was still Ashford and Simpson. I was like, okay, <laughs> I should have known. I should have known. So it's, it's that. So I would have to say they are Ashford and Simpson. And then of, I would guess of the my era that I grew up in, you know, 80s, 90s, baby, I would probably have to mm-hmm. say Diane Warren after that. Mm, okay. Now, do you see yourself now, it, um, it, singing – Go ahead. What were you going to say? Now, if you Google Diane Warren and see what she's written in all genres, like she is a force of nature. Everything from every time I close my eyes, I miss you, babe, and I don't want to miss a thing, to Tony Braxton, you know, how um, how could an angel break my heart? I think she wrote that one, too. So you got, she wrote, she's, she's a beast. it looks like she's won a lot of awards too you know for for best uh song writing grammy award golden globe award all the types of things so yeah we better look her up you don't know who she she is yeah so let me ask you this um what is your favorite song on on this album imagining marvin i i must say i must say shadow of your smile uh, that's okay. a song that I feel really connected me with Marvin. Besides the fact that at places throughout my whole career, uh, this album made the most sense to me because 
because I didn't really want to do uh, any kind of covers album, and I don't consider this a covers album. I consider it a tribute album, which is why it was very important for me to put original music on it, which is also a big task when you put a ri- new original music up next to classic Marvin music. So it was a risky venture, but I feel that, you know, it was, it was pulled off. Um, but, but, yeah, so with, with the um, – I forgot what I was talking about now. No, you. We I'm were talking about yapping, your favorite song. That's okay. Your favorite oh, song. You said yeah. um, so, the shadow. So, yeah. So in doing Motown, the musical, and talking with Barry Gordy, uh, he would like tell us stories about Marvin and how Marvin was always pushing the gamut, always wanted to do something different, even stuff that had nothing to do with music. But at one point, Marvin really wanted to be a crooner. He wanted to like be with the Rat Pack, with Sammy and Old Blue Eyes, and all that stuff. And he never really got to do it because BG was like, no, that you can't do, not on Motown, because you're a pop star and this, that, and the other. But before he passed, he did an album called Vulnerable that they, that they called Vulnerable after he passed. It was released after he passed, but he recorded okay. like these American songbook songs. And when you, if you have never heard Marvin Gaye's Vulnerable album, do yourself a favor. If you're any kind of Marvin fan, download that album, and you really <laughs> see him take the American songbook, and he... Marvinized it because he's always going to be him. And when you see how brilliant it is and how he interprets these songs, and the shadow of your smile is the only song on the record that is that Marvin actually recorded that I actually did not change. It's the song that I feel connected. It's very us clear. The most it's very clear and clean song. When when I'm going to play yeah. it when we finish the show, and you can hear it, people, how it's just crystal clear. That's what I would say, like a crystal clear piece of glass. It's, it's, it's it's smooth. Uh, yeah. No. Well, I'm, well thank you. Honest, but yeah, you know? all, but all the other, but all the other Marvin songs on the record, I I added something to, or I, I changed it because I needed to make sure that these songs fit me as comfortably as they did Marvin because I didn't want it to be a covers album. I wanted it to be a tribute album. I wanted you to be able to hear the record, clearly hear my artistry, and clearly hear Marvin. And it was really cool because I had did my first live show stream show um, mm-hmm. after the album was released at the Sugar Bar. I took over their, the Sugar Bar open mic and did like an album release because of the times. Okay. And uh, Jan Gay came on, Marvin, Marvin's ex-wife. She came on, and she actually was like, I, I think it's brilliant. I think the title, Imagine Marvin, was brilliant. I think the way I clearly see you and I clearly see Marvin, and I think, and you know, and the estate doesn't really give their blessing on a lot of things. And so to get Jan's blessing on it was really uh, a took the weight off of me as well and let me know that what mm-hmm. I set out to do was actually what I was supposed to be doing. And, uh, but that I, song, I, I hear that in the album. I, it, I, I hear did. that in the album, you know, um, it's you, because I was listening myself, you know, and I was listening to your um, earlier records to see like your progression and, um, and then listening like you were doing to Marvin's original and then listening to yours. And there are these little spots where you can see, okay, that's Ryan. And then you have your songs that you've written, like, you know, sin as, as opposed to he had sexual healing and things like that. And um, you did that. You blended, I think you blended it well. It doesn't seem a discord uh, with your songs and then his songs, like, you know, <laughs> it's just like, okay, we're, it, it's going, it's flowing into each other, so to speak, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to be giving away some copies of your album. Awesome. Uh, to the audience. Yes. Yes. What do you see for yourself next? You got the vegan cream cheese, but in terms of music, do you have a plan for another album coming out in 2021? You know, what type of music? I mean, this, this, this particular record here is a joint venture 
um, with uh, Broadway Records. And, you know, for anyone listening who doesn't win a copy, if you want to actually get a physical copy, please go to broadwayrecords.com and you can uh, pick up one. With this COVID thing, it's, it's, we're not quite sure. We're still literally like, it feels like we're surfing. And so the waves keep coming in and we're just trying to stay Mm. on the surfboard and navigate figure out, one, how to continue to get the word out when, you know, in times where I'm not working. And two, how to, how to perform. I mean, the, the whole point in doing a record, especially one like this, is to be able to go out and share it. So when you're kind of your own label, it's Form Records, the joint ventures. My label is Form Records, and Broadway, Broadway Records is, the, is the, um, the, other, the, the partner label. So we may have to push, continue just to build this album throughout 2021 and maybe do either 2022. We just don't know at this point. I mean, I yeah, have plenty know. of music, and, and we already have, like, what the next record is, what I'm looking for to do as the next record which is still another soul rock record, which is what I do, but um, less themed on a, a particular artist, but just more me doing what I do. But it's difficult. It's difficult to know, you know, because we, we definitely, I feel this record is so strong that it needs its fair chance to build. And I think in this yeah, COVID, for an audience COVID participation time, type of thing. thing but in, yeah, in these times, I feel like it's just going to take a little bit longer to work it. And so that's what we're doing. We're just going to still try to build this and get the word out to as many people so that this record actually gets what it deserves. If it, if we were in a regular world and I could just travel, everyone would already be knowing because I'd be everywhere traveling and singing. You know, and <laughs> be win, everywhere. And winning people over. But in these times, I, we might have to, like, wait, you know, to even start really, like, you know, touring this record until the end of this year so. I don't want to put out another record yet to usurp that. But we may it may be recorded by the end of the year, but when we release it, we just have to wait and see how it fits in the, in the, in the plan. Yeah. All right, some quick questions. We're going to end the interview with some quick questions. Where's your favorite place to visit? Favorite place to visit? Oh, wow. Well, for like for like if I was going like vacation, vacation, um, vacation, it would be baby, London relax, and chill out. Ah, uh, <laughs> well, it just depends on what I want to do. Uh, I love London. I almost went I, when I was there, and I almost wanted, I was going to move there and stay there when I was there. But London is one of those places, and Hawaii. I've been onto the Big Island a couple of times, and it's really, really beautiful. Uh, but just a quick getaway, upstate New York is beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm down here, and sometimes we just get away and just go up to like New Paltz and just beautiful places, quaint little towns where you can just, you know, sit with the local people and sit by a river and just do nothing for a while. Yeah. How about who would you want to sing with that you haven't sung with? Who do I want to sing with that I haven't sang, sang with? Um, wow. I, I, I would have to go with – with greats that are still alive, Stevie and Gladys, because you know, you know, we that 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 would be ideal for me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite cake to bake? My favorite cake, I don't have one particular, but in my baking, there I have flavors that I developed that weren't a part of my mom's trilogy. When I was in London, I ended up, like I say, making my own flavors. So there's a cake. There's lemon gods. There's red velvet. There's carrot cake. There's um, cappuccino cake and green tea. What? 
green tea. All right, last question. Who's your favorite clothes designer? Um, favorite clothes designer. I'm not super into clothes like that, although I make them. So probably me, mm-hmm. and then after me, I would say, <laughs> okay. I would probably Look, that's say, a valid answer. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably say Armani. I like Armani a lot. Okay. Well, Brian mm-hmm. Shaw, we like you. We like your music. I encourage people to go out and buy Imagining Marvin. Like you said, as an artist, he's not been able to go out and be with the audience. I will be giving away some copies, but not to everybody. So, again, please go out and uh, purchase some of his albums or download some of his um, albums. His, oh, he has uh, several albums, not just this one that you could choose from, and they all have great songs on them. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today. No, thank you for having me. This has been fun. <laughs> all right. Well, you keep on baking. I'm looking for it. I'll keep an eye out for the cream cheese. And, um, you know, when you make another album, I would love to have you back on. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely. All right, Definitely. you take it Green Have a great cheese. I'll send you I'll send you some I'll send you I'll send you a care package of Harlem Green Cheese when Oh it's my ready. god. That, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, tell your tell your tell Elizabeth. Yes, definitely. I would love it. Yeah. I would. All, All right. right. <laughs> All right, take it easy. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I just got off the phone with Grammy nominated star singer Ryan Shaw. Please check out his album, Imagining Marvin. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You want to follow on social media so you can win a copy of his album. But if you don't win, please support artists because they are really having a tough time because they can't go out and be in front of, you know, the people. And it's really you know, putting a pinch in their pockets. So please support artists right now. I'm going to end with Shadow of Your Smile um, by Ryan Shaw. He's singing the song Shadow of Your Smile. Darling, I wish was too high. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.